It's time to get inspired. It's time to have some fun. It's time to take your relationship to the next level and create the marriage you always believed was possible. Come on, join us as we learn from real couples that have overcome real problems with real solutions. Welcome to the Unstoppable Duo Show with your hosts, Rebecca and Tim Lindsay. We're so excited. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to get to know your story. And I know your story and what you overcame will be of uh, immense support and encouragement to other people uh, as they go through their challenges. We're so excited. Well, we're excited too, but I think we're a little bit nervous for this. Um, But we do want to just introduce ourselves a little bit. I'm Dawn. I'm David. And we have been married almost for 31 years this year. We're a blended family. So David has two kids um, from his first marriage. I have two kids from my first marriage. And then we had a child together. We moved to Charleston in 2011. And we were in Atlanta for 22 years before that, which for those of you who can watch this, Mm -hmm. you can see our Atlanta wall. Go Braves. Um, but I, I mean, I think we would be remiss if I didn't really tell them how well I knew you guys. Come on. Go for Can it. I share how well I know you guys? <laughs> Absolutely. So in the spring of this year, we ended up going with Rebecca and Tim and another couple on a trip to the Bahamas. And we ended up at a location, a beautiful location, had our boat tied up. Um, on the dock and we were going to go take pictures of the sunset and so I'm all dressed in my clothes tennis shoes socks shoes everything hair's done Rebecca's already on the dock and I go to step on the step to meet up with Rebecca so we can go take pictures here we go and I had a misstep so the step came loose and I fell between the pier and the boat in a opening I don't know maybe it was 12 to 15 inches it was something small Really it was very small. small. So I fall through this opening, fully dressed in all my clothes and, and, you know, hair fixed, makeup on everything. And I come up out of the water, like underneath the pier and everybody on land. I wasn't part of that part, but everybody that was on the dock, they're all screaming and panicking. And so I come up underneath the dock and I go out into the opening and everybody's there. So David and Tim are there to try to pull me up out of the water. Well, I just have to interrupt here. I'm the, I'm like, I'm chasing her down. She dropped in between this very small gap, like, and it's hard on both ends, right? There's hard wood on the one end and a hard boat on the other end. I thought Dawn hit her head, is having a concussion, is now, you know, out in the water. So when I come up from underneath the dock, they're on this little floating pier side in order to get me out of the water. So they see that I'm okay and they're reaching to get me out of the water. So David and Tim lean down to get me out of the water and in me (laughs) pulling on their arms, the dock is moving, their floating dock is moving and I pull David into the water. But his leg is caught up in the rope and he loses a shoe and he's trying to get his leg untangled. And Tim. And he's freaking out. He's freaking out. Yeah. Everybody is pretty much freaking out. And Tim really doesn't know what to do. So then the next time I look up, I mean, there is Tim in his underwear going to jump in the water. And he did jump in the water. And then he gets behind me and he says, don't. I'm going to push you from behind on your behind. <laughs> so he pushes me up onto the dock. And then we get David out of the water. Now David's got this missing shoe, which I should claim is a flip-flop. <laughs> but we think it's sunk to the bottom. So somebody's gone for a mask and goggles to find this flip-flop, which we find floating a few feet away from where we are. So we get everybody out of the water. And I will just say that the two men who tried to lift me out of water, I was literally lifted out of the water by a female boat, um, first mate from a different boat, like this female hoisted me out of the water single-handedly. We tried our best. We tried our best. And may I say my underwear that I had on was not white. Yes, they were not. I mean, the good news is that they were not tidy white. 
But we get all back on the boat. We're all drenched. We're standing there. And I look up and where I've fallen, where the floating pier is, where everything is, is probably at most maybe 30 feet from where I could literally walk out of the water of my own accord. Well, we yeah, look up and I'm like, why didn't y'all just tell me to walk over there? Why did we have to go through so much drama? Because where you fell, it was deeper than <laughs> deep. It was so, impossible. That's what you just don't the know. The impossible thing is that she even got between that small opening and didn't and didn't yes. and didn't get injured. Yeah. But I will say that any story that you tell that has any part of the story with the pastor in his underwear <laughs> could never be a really safe story to tell. So I hope this is a safe place to have told that story. But oh, we still uh, laugh about that to this day. We do. We do. And uh, it's just, as you can imagine, as you're hearing now, David and Dom, they are such a fun couple. And just to be around them, you get to have fun experiences, laugh a lot, and uh, you get a lot of stories that you can share. And uh, we're just so thankful for the friendship. We're so thankful for who you are. That you're still alive. That, yes, absolutely. I'm still alive, yes. Uh, just one thing that we really love about um, Dawn and David is that they are like uh, fathers and mothers in the community that we're building here, uh, the unstoppable community. And they really have a genuine interest and love um, for people and want to welcome people into the family and want to build community with them. And uh, they also extend um, so much grace. Um, when you're hanging around them, you just feel loved, uh, you feel accepted, and you don't feel like you have to do something or earn something to um, have a relationship with them. And uh, we've always treasured that so much uh, as a couple. Uh, we can just really be ourselves around them. So we're excited and thankful for you. All right. So tell us quickly, before we dive into um, the situation... <laughs> That we're going to talk about. Um, tell us a little bit of a, your background, uh, how you grew up, um, what kind of a background have you come from? We, we come from different backgrounds. I was raised in a really large family. I was um, one of eight kids. Um, I was very well loved by my parents as, as much as they um, could do that. And, you know, with eight kids, there just wasn't a lot of individual attention, um, which I think probably for my personality created a little bit of angst for me and um, that I may have even needed more than what they were able to provide. But the worst part of growing up, I have great happy Mary, me memories of my family, but I did have a sister who um, died when she was a baby and I was 12 years old. And I think everything I knew about my, about my family at that point kind of ceased to exist. My mom didn't cope well. Um, and, you know, she had a hard time remembering the rest of us. So it fell to a lot of my older siblings to kind of manage um, some of that. So while I have great memories of growing up, that that darkness did overshadow a little bit. You know, we're we were raised Catholic. So every Sunday we're in church, taking up the whole pew. And then pretty much after my sister passed away, like we really weren't in church that much anymore. It was just very disjointed um, as far as that went. And then, you know, I went off to college and lived lived out of the country for a few years and and things like that but i have always remained very close to my parents and you know and fairly close to my siblings um in, in that regard so it wasn't necessarily a bad childhood i always felt loved it was just they couldn't necessarily provide a lot of individual attention yeah um i'm a i'm a, I'm a family of five I had, I had a couple sisters i'm the middle child that between, explains it. Between a couple girls, and uh, <laughs> it was great. And um, anyway, my, you know, my parents were Southern Baptists. Uh, I went to church pretty much when the doors were open. Uh, we were Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday, and uh, you know, routinely uh, it was it was all the time, and I enjoyed it. I loved church, uh, even even sang sang and uh, led singing at, at one of the little mission churches that I used to go to and teach, but, uh, you know, family wise, we're, uh, my dad was, had stopped, had, had started working at a different job late in life. And, uh, he had not built up any kind of, uh, you know, uh, 
history or, or I say value. So he was, he was hard at work trying to just provide for, for us. My mother was a, uh, you call her a workaholic, but she was a housewife, but she was constantly working all the time. The, I did not get as much time with dad as I would have liked to. We didn't, you know, uh, conversations were short, uh, pretty much to, uh, surrounded by him and his subjects. And, and, uh, they loved me. Uh, they loved all of us and provided well for us, uh, you know, the necessities, we, we weren't by no means flamboyant or in, in any way, way but, uh, but, uh, you know, they were, they were a uh, country, country folk from Kentucky and, um, good, just good people, good, good people. My dad was, a uh, which is a connection with Tim a little, or, uh, uh, Rebecca a little bit was, uh, is Swiss. And uh, so I, so I, I know I have a little feel for that that hardworking heritage. So both of you were in um, were previously married, and uh, those relationships, you know, you went into those relationships hoping um, for a long-lasting marriage, of course, for a lifelong uh, relationship, but that didn't work out um, the way you had hoped it would. Uh, how did that impact your life? and impact maybe your relationship? For me, for me, I married, I married uh, fair, pretty young. Uh, I, I was 20 and uh, I married what I thought would be somebody that to help kind of settle me down, settle me in. I married a mother type image uh, and um, uh, we were married for 13 years. Uh, but, um, it was something I, I, I married. My parents didn't want me to marry. They thought, you know, Hey, you're not, you're not ready for this. You don't have any clue. And I didn't. And, but I did <laughs> anyway. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, I guess that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, the question. Well, and I think you would say that you probably weren't a great first a good husband oh, in your I, first I, I marriage. I can assure you I wasn't. I but you sure. were a good, semi-good dad, were you not? You I, loved your kids. I, I love my kids dearly. I love my kids dearly. And that was the best thing that, you know, by, by, by in all that came from the marriage. Uh, and, you know, we still, we still are close to this day. Um, you know, we have, like any blended family, we have our challenges, but, uh, uh, yeah, did end a, in, a, in a divorce. I probably thir out of those 13 years, the last couple of years, I was kind of partly living at home. Yeah. And I'm married young too, married because I was 20 um, for a different reason. I'm married because um, I had met my first husband in college and uh, ended up getting pregnant. And then we decided it was the right thing to do. So we got married and I was 20 and um, by the time I was 26, I was divorced with two kids and I was in nursing school. Um, so the divorce really hit me hard just because I felt like it was like the first time I was getting to do something that I wanted to do. And having grown up feeling kind of unseen in my family and then unseen in my first marriage, I took a lot of that baggage with me, but I did counseling and, you know, my my girls ended up being my motivation, my motivation for finishing school, my motivation while I was in school. Like, I mean, I wanted to be a good role model for them. I mean, I felt like that was really, really important. Um, I, you know, my mom was like, just move home, you know, now that, and we'll help you. And I was like, what is that going to teach my kids? I mean, I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to stay and finish school. And I, you know, I was in nursing school, so I wanted to get my degree. But I, and I knew because I was only 26, I knew if I ever got in another relationship, like I didn't want to be divorced again. So I wasn't rushing into anything. Um, I really enjoyed being on my own, kind of getting to do my own thing. If I wanted to feed my kids mac and cheese every night for dinner, that's exactly what I did. So I don't necessarily have bad memories of that time. I had a really good support group around me of other people who were divorced and we kind of really took care of each other. I lived in another state from all the rest of my family. So when I did finish with nursing school, I left Texas and moved back to Georgia where all my family was. And, um, and I think that was the one thing that Dave and I both had in common was we were both divorced. We both had kids. 
And we did not want to be divorced again. If we were moving forward in this relationship, we didn't want, I mean, both of us had said many times, like we will never go through that again because it was just painful for both of us. And we felt like it was painful for our kids too. So that was really, really important to us. Um, and so then you got, you got married, uh, got together. How did you get to know each other? Well, we lived in the same apartment complex in Atlanta. When I moved back there, he had moved from Kentucky. So we lived in the same apartment complex and we would cross paths like at the pool or something like that um, with the kids. Like I'd be in the pool playing with the kids. I'd get out. He'd jump in and play with my kids, you know, so that kind of thing. But we never really talked or anything. And then one night I was a nurse and I worked night shift. So one night I was stopping off at the 7-Eleven and he was coming in after, I don't know if he'd been out to dinner or something like that. So he was coming in the store because he was headed home. And um, he said, I look like Florence Nightingale because back in the day we were all white. Um, but he said something, I mean, he started talking to me and, and just said, you know, when are we going out or something? And I just said, whenever you call. So we kind of exchanged numbers. That was like the fall of 1989. We exchanged numbers and then dated, but we didn't actually get married until December of 1990. And in full disclosure, we got married because I was pregnant again which my mom had eight kids. So I'm thinking that I was really fertile based on my genetics. <laughs> um, and so we got married in December of 1990 and all the kids were beyond excited to have another um, child, another baby in the house. And, um, you know, and, and it, was, it was just a good blend of blending both families, you know, yeah. um, having another child to do that. So, but it was kind of a rocky courtship. I'd say that, you know, David moved away. We lived in Atlanta, but he moved back home for a time to kind of, you know, again, I think stability is like a key word in his story. He was looking for some stability in his work and, you know, needing to kind of stabilize his life with his kids and stuff like that. So he moved home for a time and came back. We have to talk about this. I mean, you know, when you first met me, I had a van and clothes. That was just about it. Red flags, if you didn't see them. I mean, the first date, he picked me up in a taxi. Picked her up in a taxi. Come on now. I wasn't going to take her out in a carpet truck. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't think have, that was cool. I so. wouldn't have got into the truck. Let's just say that. Sit you on get a, into a cargo sit van. on a roll of carpet or something. You get into a cargo van. I mean, that I've watched a lot of crime shows. That was not <laughs> That was definitely not it. But yeah, so. Rocky Courtship. Yes, looking for stability. Absolutely. I mean, I, I did go back to the uh, to, to Kentucky for short trip, but, uh, man, I couldn't stand being away from her. I mean, yeah. I was, I was mad about her. I loved her kids. I didn't have, my kids were not with me. And I think for the, you know, that, that too, uh, uh was something that, that drew me, drew me to her yeah. uh, being able to play with the kids. So. And then you got married and, uh, this wonderful relationship started. Um, I mean, uh, the angels started singing and I mean, it was just like doves. Yeah. <laughs> All over dust was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Can we stop yeah. at that story. Is that where we get to stop? Was where the glitter and the we can stop at the glitter, or we can keep going on a little bit to the uh, truth. To, you know, I mean, that was also true. But I'm sure there was there was angels and doves and uh, there was some fireworks. Yeah, yeah, and all of that. And uh, you know, you you were you built a business together. Uh, your family is growing, uh, all this is happening. And then, you know, in comes a, a difficult, difficult moment, which happened around six years ago, where- uh, Five years. Five years ago? Mm -hmm. About five years ago. About uh, five years ago. Thank you, Becca. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what happened then? What happened? We had grown we had grown pretty much apart. We come to, uh, we come to Charleston and I had in my mind, uh, I came to Charleston to kind of start retiring, to kind of start winding down. And, uh, I think Don resented that the fact that we did come to Charleston as quick as we did. I mean, I kind of talked, said, let's go to Charleston. He said, well, let's go look at out. And before we knew it, we were here. And, um, but anyway, she, uh, she continued on with her work. And uh, for me, it became, you know, uh, uh, kind of a always she was working a long hours and uh, and uh, it, it was a kind of the subject of a lot of arguments. Uh, and uh, 
I, I started, I started down this path of, you know, I wasn't following God like I should. I was, we were doing this really good pretend, you know, normal uh, marriage, but, but, you know, behind the scenes, there was a lot, there was a lot going on as far as, you know, just uh, emptiness, emptiness for me. And uh, I, I got the feeling that, hey, I'm not going to do this any, any longer. I'm not going to do this like this. This is not what I came here for. It's not the way I want to spend the rest of my life. And was I talking to guys about it? No, not really. So I started manufacturing these ideals in my head and I deserved more. So an opportunity, of course, Satan's ready. He's, he's hanging around all the time, just waiting. And uh, the opportunity uh, arose for me or, and, and, and another lady that was doing some work here at the house. And, uh, uh, and we started an affair that lasted uh, four months, four months. And uh, uh, something that I had never in my wildest dreams had ever thought that, that could happen, happened. I mean, he was literally living a double life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, you, you read about that or you watch movies about that, you know, I mean, I can't imagine it wasn't, it definitely wasn't a peaceful time for us. Like I couldn't tell or something like that. I mean, there were definitely signs and symptoms um, of him trying to live and pretend like things were okay. And, you know, it was a really hard time. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, what, what you're saying there, David, is um, the self-awareness is really amazing in the sense that you, as you reflect back on that time, um, it all started in your head, right? It all started with thoughts of, um, yeah, this of I dissatisfaction, deserve I deserve something else. And uh, just, you know, playing around with those thoughts and engaging with those thoughts. Um, how did... When you found out, Don, what kind of thoughts did you have? Um, Besides shooting me? Yeah, really. <laughs> I heard Billy Graham's wife say one time that divorce wasn't an option, but homicide was. So, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I was pretty angry. When I first found out about it, I was angry and I asked him about it. Um, and so did you, you know, ask him or, or David, you just came to a point and you just confessed? No, I asked him. Asked I had found a text message and I asked him and I mean, he'd really downplayed it pretty significantly. Um, and so my first thought in my mind was like, we've literally dodged a bullet, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, you know, I really need to step up here and do better. You know, this, this could have gone seriously in another direction. Um, and then, it, you know, it was, it was, as things evolved, then then there was a, a point where you know I admitted there was physical, you know there was a. Physical it was like five months the after the very first conversation, yeah. I confronted him again because I'd found more communication and, yeah. um, and so at that point, you know, so he downplayed it the first time. The second time when I confronted him, it was it was significant and that he literally told me the truth, um, about that and. I mean, I don't even know that anger does justice for what I felt um, at that point, mostly because I think it was probably I was probably more mad at myself because here I'm going all these months thinking I've dodged a bullet when I really just didn't have um, a lot of the truth. And so I think that was hard. Um, and so, you know, it, it was anger, but. I mean, I gave him many opportunities. I gave him several opportunities to say, you want out, like you have the freedom to go. And he kept saying that he didn't want out, but I don't think either one of us really know, knew what to do with, with the all, place. All of, this, yeah. all of this stuff. I mean, we were we were in uncharted territory, territory they didn't want to go to. So, I mean, um, we started seeking out, you know, other help, people that were like type. And we went to... Uh, to Branson, Missouri, for one uh, for a big marriage a big intensive marriage intensive uh, uh, weekend. You know, uh, I insisted that David go to counseling, so he he pretty much kind of dabbled in counseling a little bit there. I mean, it was there was no work on my part, but there really wasn't any work on his part. Like I was under the assumption that he needed to step up and do a lot of work. Which is later on when things when you know the shame and the guilt of it all started. And, and man, I didn't know, you know, I'm, I'm already not one. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a, a three, 
when it comes to the Enneagram. So, I mean, I didn't, you know, the appearances of all of it and, and all that stuff, I, I, I was running from it. And until we started getting into some really intense, I, I started with a group called uh, Account uh, Affair, Affair Recovery, Recovery, and it was like a four month type uh, a meet group that got together and we really got to dig into this thing that really opened my eyes to what to what I had done mm -hmm. and it uh, it slowly began a healing process uh, the acceptance of it and in her she, she did uh, she joined the group herself in fact led me in, into this group uh she was the first to, to join up and we started we started understanding ourselves uh, ourselves not the relationship as much but ourselves and um uh, and got it and, and getting to talk with like people uh it, it really it really had a lot it was really powerful but i still I still, even after that, I, I wanted to hold on to that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk talk about it, and 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 we held it for several months, probably several about a year. Well, I mean, it was a full year after the initial disclosure before we really even did anything about about it. I mean, it was a whole year, um, and so I would say that our recovery came very very slowly. Um, a lot of, due to ourselves. Yes due to what you know because of the shame and the fear and not wanting people to know and you know kind of hiding behind that and and i'll tell you that i told i mean i told people i mean i had told some of my close friends at work not my best friend but i told some close friends but i mostly told people because i i wanted them on my side you know i it wasn't anybody that could help me like they could support me and encourage me but they couldn't help me you know really process anything. Yeah. And I didn't really know where to go until I did find a fair recovery and, you know, did that, you know, did the coursework there. And then that, you know, when I started changing, then David said, okay, if you've done this now, I need to get busy. But for a long time, it was, you know, we just kind of need to get over this. Like we just need to get over it. And we had spent our whole marriage, you know, shoving things under this rug. And so it just, at that point, wasn't anything that we could have shoved underneath the rug any longer. Like we were, <laughs> literally tripping over the rug at this point the chubby under the rug was all we knew you yeah know, i think that's uh i really wanted to talk about it after the fair recovery i wanted to i wanted a group we, we tried to keep our group together a little a little while it seemed like it broke up because guys a, were a small group that we everybody were was in. on different yeah. uh different uh cycles but uh but you know i talked to my uh, i did disclose to one of my fa uh, family members uh, uh, about it, but that was as far as it went. And I, I was trying in my small group to set it up to where we could maybe have a men's, a men's time in our group. And it just wasn't going to happen. It, it appeared. And I think I was really aching to talk to talk to somebody more about it. So we really only had each other to kind of talk to about it. We, we, you know, certainly didn't tell anybody else in our family and, you know, we could talk about it and we could talk to God about it. But, you know, even then we still, I mean, it was still new and there was still a lot of anger and it took a, it took a while. I mean, it was probably a good three years in before I was even, even able to find the forgiveness and to release some of the anger um, and, and literally free David up to be able to, you know, to continue working on himself. And, you know, a lot of that was even through individual counseling. Like we were both in individual counseling by that point. And, we'd been to marriage counseling multiple times in our marriage, like many times we've been in marriage counseling and went together a lot. And when we started moving in the process of individual counseling is where we learned that in order to have um, a better marriage that we need to bring our best selves or best individual self to the table. So, so. so like just listening to you now, it's absolutely incredible how open and vulnerable you are. I mean, you're sharing this on a podcast. We're not the most famous podcast in the world, so there's not going to be millions of people listening to it, but there are going to be hundreds of people listening to it and uh, hearing your story and being encouraged by you. And you're sharing all of this uh, stuff of uh, this whole situation. And then at the same time, as you're sharing it, you're saying all you knew was how to sweep it under the rug, right? How to hide it. 
So obviously there's been some kind of a transformation. There's been some kind of a change that you, you're able to share here on this podcast. Um, so what, what was the change? What was the bridge there? Well, I, I will say the very first thing before we even join the Unstoppable Group is, and I never take responsibility for David's decision to have an affair. And I, I mean, I did learn that um, early on that it was him because both of us were unhappy and could have had an affair and I didn't choose to do that. But I do, I do remember like, because I'm sure the baggage of my family growing up, like I threw everything into my work. Like I was so passionate about work. I would devote all my time to work Um, other than my kids. I mean, David certainly wasn't a priority in that regard. My work was a priority. And I always kind of had a little bit of the stubborn nature. If he gets to do what he wants to do, then I get to do what I want to do. And what I want to do is work. You know, I just loved it that much. And so I really kind of threw myself into work and, you know, and I'm carrying around this anger and I'm throwing myself into work and I just find myself just, you know, festering in this stuff. And I literally was driving into work one day and I heard God say to me very clearly, almost as if he's sitting in the seat in my car, your work is an idol and there'll be no idols before me. Hmm. And it was, I mean, definitely a Kairos moment for me for to have heard it that clearly and And to realize, you know, that while I didn't have an affair, I did contribute to the downfall of what was happening in my marriage because it wasn't a priority. And so I quit my job. It was probably from the time I heard that it was probably maybe a month, a month and a half um, before I quit working. And I didn't work for 14 months. I mean, I literally stayed home and was still and quiet, spent a ton of time, you know, just praying with God and just saying, okay, if I'm not a nurse, then who am I? I have this rocky marriage. I'm not, I don't have work, you know, really, who am I? And, um, and God was faithful in that. I mean, he really was um, to show me who I was and what I deserve. And, you know, and it, and it got me into the affair recovery. It got me into counseling. It got me into a lot of, um, you know, different avenues for healing that were even David wasn't responsible for that. You know, he wasn't responsible for that part. That was between ruler between me and God. Yeah. Well, but both of your stories is you both came off to um to a place of we don't want to walk away from it anymore and we don't want to get distracted, you know, by other people, by work, anything. I mean, stopping like you did, Don. Um, allowing the pain, allowing the not knowing to find yourself again in who Jesus sees you and how he made you and how marriage can look like this was very brave. Yeah. Well, and tell them too about um, even when you were going through the affair, your dad getting sick and. Yeah, dad, you know, during this affair, my dad, uh, my dad was in poor health. He lost his he lost mom a few years earlier and didn't really didn't want to live, but he had had a, he had a stroke to put him in a hospital and, uh, he did not want any, you know, uh, any, anything to keep him from, from passing on. And, uh, I, I mean, I got at the funeral, uh, I mean, I hate to say it was, it was God's thing, but it, you know, th- this interruption made me start thinking of legacy. And what I was going to live when I heard the people, I heard my cousin talk about uh, his grandpa and how that affected. I listened to all the friends and, and, and the people and the, and the legacy that he left. And then I started thinking about, wow, if I leave this, this, this relationship, I leave this marriage, I leave these kids, you know, uh, I mean, it was at such a right time. Um, the, um, and plus what she said a while ago about, taking, you know, her responsibility on what it was a responsibility, but in the past, I would have thought, see there, that was the reason why it's not. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the most selfish thing I ever done. Without a doubt, most selfish thing that you could ever do in a relationship. And, uh, and I learned that through they are recovery. Yeah. And was able to feel that and able to uh, to look at that and look at my part and quit putting blame on something else or the situation or her or, and all that. 
But I think in a lot of that, God was always speaking to us, like God speaking to David at his dad's funeral. You know, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? You know, the, and even though it was, you know, he came home and it was really hard to take the actions he needed to take. It still planted that seed in, you know, what kind of legacy did he want to leave? You know, what kind of stability had he been struggling for so many years, you know? Yeah. And that's a great thing. So just hearing your stories, just like Rebecca said, you know, you're both owning your story. Um, you're both owning your side of the story. You're both being vulnerable and sharing, um, you know, your side of the story. And, uh, and that's not easy. That's challenging. And it's, it's unbelievable that you're here sharing about it. And we just, uh, we love you. And we're so thankful for this uh, encouragement. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of hurt there. Um, but we don't want to camp out there at the moment because, you know, the, we want to know how is it that you guys, you know, have made this transition and are able to tear back the rug and, and look at all the dirt that's underneath the rug that's been shoveled uh, underneath for so many years and, and you're letting go of it and uh, you're living a, a great life at the moment and, uh, you know, with its challenges but you've found joy, you've found peace, you've found um, a joy in each other, in your relationship. Like a new purpose. A new purpose mm-hmm. for your relationship. And we'd love to hear about that. Well, um, you know, we had been, we'd been hosting a small group in our house. And so, so many times, I think when we tell our story now, you can see so many of the God moments in there. And we had been, I mean, hosting a group for a while, Um, And it was a great group, great Bible study. I mean, it was really good. But, you know, then COVID happened and, you know, they didn't want to meet anymore, which was fine. And I I even remember before COVID happened, you know, David and I had said, like he alluded to before, you know, what if once a month we break the men off and like we have dinner together and then the men go off and the women go off and everybody in the group was like, no, we don't want to do that. Like we want to keep it couples. And we're like, okay. And we just kind of looked at each other and, but they didn't know where we were. Like they had no idea where we were. So they were just making a judgment or a decision based on where they all were. And so then, um, then we didn't meet with anybody for a long time. And then I ran into you at church and I said, Hey, if you hear of a small group, like we're looking for a small group, we need community you know, if you hear one, like we're willing to host, we're willing just to be members. Like we just need people. Like we need something, we need community. And you're like, okay, if I hear anything, I'll let you know. And then a week later, I get the email from you about the unstoppable group that you're getting ready to start. And the very first Saturday that we met up, you know, one of the first things you said to us in the group is, okay, okay, we're going to meet here in this big group. And then the men are going to go off and meet and the women are going to go off from me. I mean, if that wasn't God, like speaking, say, Don and David, like we heard what you needed and this is what we're putting together. You know, I mean, I just feel like it was just so much an answer to prayer um, for what we were looking for. So that, I mean, that was even just the beginning of it. That was just the beginning of it. I mean, we had no idea what we were expecting in that group. Um, and I, I, again, like I said, I've never had, I've never had trouble sharing, you know, where we were at, because I think women just talk a lot, you know, that's just part of it. Um, I think it was a little bit for diff, a little bit different for David to be sharing. Well, you know, one point, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense, but at one point I, you know, I ran a business and, and I probably didn't want to put all my, all my stuff out there, but, uh, but you know that's a cop out too <laughs> you know it's uh just the opportunity uh, uh, arise to uh to to be able to talk to a bunch of guys and these guys when we we come in there that saturday these guys were just like good good people you know just you know i felt surrounded by 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 good people i didn't know them from adam but it just it just felt right it felt right and uh by all means, I was ready. Yeah, and I felt I felt both of you came in really ready. Um, you know, as you said, you were you were wanting more. Um, we were, you know, sitting around a fireplace where you, David, opened up and shared about the affair for the first time uh, for us, and uh, it was it was it was it was amazing because you being so vulnerable and you being so open wasn't just uh, something that impacted yourself, um, but it impacted us. And all of a sudden we're there, okay, we're we're actually going there, you know? This guy's opening up, this guy's sharing. We need to open up and share our stuff too. And I think uh, the way you came into the group 
with that uh, vulnerability, you set a trend in the group. You set a level in the group. You, uh, it was like as almost as if you were pioneering a way. I know we should all be vulnerable and open, but the very fact that you did do it meant that we could follow you and uh, follow your example and open up and share about our lives and, and our stuff. So as you're sharing, um, you know, in the group, how did that impact your, your relationship? How did that work with, for you? With Don or with me? Yeah. Me and the guys. You and the guys or you and Don? Well, I mean, just, I mean, just opening up and just saying it, just saying it outside. I mean, I, obviously it was a very emotional thing. It's always been a very emotional thing for me, uh, you know, but the shame part of it, you know, it's, it's just, it's, is has dramatically changed you know uh but just to be able to to say it out loud takes a lot of sting out of it and uh, and guys that just around me that were you know I, I remember a comment once you know uh one of the guys once i once i talked about it, he says hey he said we're still here you know we're still here i hear you but we're still here. And, uh, gosh, that meant so much to me. You know, I was, I was thinking of, you know, walking into a gymnasium and said, Hey, I had an affair and then nobody being there when I turned around, just like dump, you know? And, uh, so it was pretty assuring and then gave me strength. And so I'm getting as much as I ever gave, uh, to the group and, 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 and just being able to share and share openly. But I was when I came to the group, I was I was ready, man. I was ready to, uh, uh, and I and I looked around like I said, and those guys looked like, hey, they're okay, guys. Let's let her rip, you know. Around the fireplace and the continued effort, you know, of, of getting people together in an unstoppable group is just, you know, it just continues to kind of unpeel the onion, you know, yeah. layer by layer. Well, and I think him sharing with the guys, because he came home that night and told me that he had told you guys, I mean, you had knocked me over with a feather when he told me because he'd been holding it in so long. Um, but I think it changed the dynamics of our ability to then speak in the group um, because now there's not any secrets and I'm not having to hide behind, I know something, but he's not prepared to share it. Like it really allowed us to open up and grow in that group because it's like once the once the secret was out like nobody could hold anything against us anymore so I know it changed a lot in our relationship like a lot more things then became on the table where we could talk about them you know things weren't hidden anymore when God prompting you you can talk about it instead of just saying oh wait a minute I've got to check with my, my spouse before I, yeah. I can talk about it you know that's not the way it works yeah. <laughs> so that really impacted our 90 days is his ability to do that and then his acceptance by the guys that everybody didn't walk up and he didn't come home and say we got kicked out of the group you know I mean it I think it really changed our ability to kind of process the whole rest of the 90 days because that happened very I feel like very early on yeah, um, yeah. in the 90 days and it, it just really I mean we could have sat through that whole 90 days just like we had sat through every other marriage counseling every other small group we'd ever been in we could have sat through that and then just continued but it really opened the door for uh, us to really really see what God had for us and had for this marriage yeah that's awesome and and brought, go ahead no i just saying in doing that then it started bringing uh real people to us you know real we were building real relationships not not ones built on you know just a pretend, pretend pretending pretend kind of stuff, where it doesn't yeah. go deep and that's a lot you know this this relationship that we have with you two and as, as we have with many others in, in the unstoppable group you know, it's, it's, it's real. It's real. Yeah. I mean, the, the very fact that you're able to talk about this, David, now in particular, without crying. <laughs> Normal. No. We're not quite there We're getting closer. Um, we've, uh, we've talked, you know, through this story so many times in different uh, areas, whether, you know, they'll share their story um, at Unstoppable or they'll share their story in, a, in an online event or whatever. So we've talked through it <clears throat> a number of times. 
And I think it's just great that you're, you know, you're at a season, you're at a point where you don't need to cry all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry, David, but it, it just means that it just means that you've been able to verbalize it. You know, you've been able to talk about it. You've been, and and you're and you know that as you've owned your story, you've experienced breakthrough. You know, and <clears throat> we're just so excited about that. Now that you've be now you know you've gone through your own process, and as we all are, we're going all going through a similar process in our own lives or whatever. Um, uh, but now you've taken it to a point where it's not just about you, where God is using you to mentor others. Um, <clears throat> both of you are unstoppable coaches and have unstoppable groups. Uh, David, uh, this round, you're not an unstoppable coach, but you were in the last round. Um, how has God really impacted you as you have started to reach out and serve others? Well, it just, you know, it, how's it impacted me, man? I mean, it's, I love to serve guys. I mean, I love to be there for them. I mean, part of my, part of my mission is to uh, try to create a, a, you know, an atmosphere where guys can just relax and, and hang and, and talk, whether it be over a beer or cigar or, or Coca-Cola or whatever, you know, we're, it's just, uh, it, it's just to be able to provide that atmosphere. I'm learning. I'm learning about conversing in, 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 uh, in the real, in, on real stuff. Sometimes I'm still a little bit quiet, but uh, I've got good people around me that can fill the gaps. And, uh, and I, you know, at, a, at, a, at an older, at an older age, you know, I'm learning a lot from the younger, younger people. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. It keeps me up. Yeah. And Don, you've, uh, one of the, breakthroughs that you had in the 90-day process was that moment where we talked about find your why. Um, so as we're going through the 90-day process, the first month is all about overcoming uh, these internal and external challenges. Um, in your case, of course, the affair and being open and vulnerable and sharing about it. But then uh, in the second month, we get quickly into, you know, uncovering that purpose that God's given you. And, and one particular week, we um, drive down and drill down um, to finding your why, because uh, we believe that that why statement, really, if you can, if you can drill down into it, um, you'll, you'll find the reason and the purpose that God put you here. And also, not just for you personally, individually, but also for you as a, as a couple. Um, how did that sit with you? And how, how was it such a big thing in your life? Um. Gosh, that that was probably one of my most profound um, things that I worked on in the Unstoppable Group was finding my why. That 14 months that I sat here just listening to God, like that was trying to figure out like what my purpose was and, you know, who I was and what my identity was like coming from a, a large family. I mean, just all of that, like being seen. And and so I think finding my why statement really put words to why God even has me here. My why statement is to love and honor others through truth telling in such a way that they see the goodness of God. And I feel like that is how he wired me my whole entire life. But this literally puts words to what my actions can be now. Like now, I can filter anything that I do through the lens of my why statement. So whether I give a yes to something or a no to something, that why statement is what enables me to do that. I can say no to some things. Um, I can have, I am, you know, David and I have had some hard conversations in our families, you know, that be, because of all the times that we've told our stories now, and it has been, you know, shared from the pulpit, you know, and it, it is getting easier. And, and even you talked before about, you know, how it has impacted us to tell it and like telling it, like, we're sad that this is the story that we have to tell. We're sad that we had to tell this to our kids. And the trouble with that is that David and I had a, had five years to process it before they had time or we had four years to process it before they knew about it and so they're not at the same place in their recovery as we are so there's still pieces that we're working through there but using my why statement it can still allow me to have um some hard conversations and to speak my truth it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody else's but to speak my truth in light of my why statement you know for it, is this going to be honoring God? Are people going to see the goodness of God in this? 
Um, and so that part has just really helped me just to kind of solidify, like, why does he have me here? Who am I? Well, who was I created to be? Um, it hasn't taken away. Um, and I think we learned in the sermon recently, um, you know, that there is some parental wounding that we're also all working from. There's some church wounding that people, you know, have experienced. And, um, but, you know, relying on God and just seeing what his purpose is. And that's where the group has consistently guided us. Like we didn't ever focus, like David told his story, but we didn't ever focus on that part. It was like, what is God saying through this to you? And in that is where I got my why statement, you know, in, in the midst of all that pain and having to disclose it and tell people about it is where the why statement came from. And again, you know, it just comes back to, you know, that God is in the details. Like he keeps saying, I see you. I see you guys. I see you individually. I see you together. Like I see you. And I think that's all I've ever wanted was to be seen and to be known. And I've learned that the person who sees and knows me, the most important is God. Come on. That's so cool. I mean, yeah. both of you experienced circumstances where you could have come to a stop. You made choices where marriage could have come to a stop. You made choices with you, even job like that's my career, it, it, it could have stopped. But you really are the unstoppable duo hearing yeah. your story in um, really, like you said in the end now, believing that there's this God who made you and he's the one who cannot be stopped. Even with your decision in the beginning, we don't want to get together what will end in another divorce. It's the believing for we, we can do this with his help as well. So having different listeners with different challenges in their marriage, and they may be thinking we're coming to a stop or they having their stuff under a rock. What would you recommend to them? What, what could be a thing going back maybe in your marriage? What would be the thing that you would hope someone would have told you? Or you can tell them now how they can um, keep on going on and believing they can be unstoppable as well. I think David and I have been through um, a lot. I mean, we've been through a lot of counseling. We've been through support groups. We've been to church. We've been through a lot of that. And I think in sharing our story, it really just kind of exposes that vulnerability, exposes that part where you open your heart up to let people in. Um, but the biggest thing is that even telling our story, like we can't shortcut somebody else. Like we can't shortcut what your pain is. We can't, we can tell you what helped and what didn't help. And, you know, um, we can tell you what works for us, but it's not necessarily a one size fits all, mm -hmm. but we do know in that opening up and finding a safe group of people, finding a local church, like there's just so many elements to it. The local church serving, serving each other, serving other people, um, you know, doing individual counseling, like we are not necessarily working on our marriage per se right now, like we're working on ourselves individually. And we believe that is bringing more to our marriage, because we're trying to really get healthy, um, you know, in that regard. So, so I, I think you can hear other people's stories, but you really have to be willing to share yours and then be open. Yeah. Mostly that people would help you see what God says in it all. You know, that's so good. Just uh, just to piggyback off on that. And, um, you know, so many people say, well, only if my spouse would, you know, only if only my husband would, if only my wife would. And uh, your testimony, your story and what you just said now is, is you know, no, if only I would, if I work on myself and that's the best way that we can build a great marriage. I love that. And we always um, stay with the unstoppable. It is. um the stronger I get and I become, the stronger our marriage will become. Yeah. It's because I'm working on myself, um, hoping and seeing you working on yourself. Um, this, this moves us on, but it's not the waiting until circumstances changes in your spouse. Yeah. And then, okay, if you're there, then I will work on it as well. Yeah. The other, the other thing is when you get, you've got two people waiting in the marriage to, all right, I'm, I won't do anything until they do, or I'm waiting on him to take the lead. I'm waiting on her to take the lead. You know, I'm slow, all right? 
I, I always followed Don a little bit in, in, in that. She continued to do work her uh, her faith. I had I had uh, I had some abuse happen in church, you know, uh, long when I was young that that set me off on a you know on a course of not trusting God. And but she continued her faith and continued to do do uh, uh, do the do the deal, you know, and, and walk the walk and uh, and. You know, I couldn't deny that forever. I had to pick up and finally say, you know, just like the uh, fair recovery thing, if she had done part of that, I, I need to go to work. And so what I'm trying to say, I guess, in the marriage, don't wait on the other person to make moves. If you feel compelled, do it, do it, do whatever you need to do, but find somebody that find somebody to talk to. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to isolate. Mm -hmm. yeah. Dangerous. And the other thing, the other one thing I want to say too is um, when you find those people, it's, you know, like people can tell you stuff all day long. Really, the people that we found in Unstoppable the 90 Days are guided us to see what was God saying to us, yes. not what did the other people in the group think or not think or, you know, advice they were offering. It's like, what, what is God saying to you? Like, what is God saying to you to do or to not do or the next step? It was never, you know, following somebody's advice or somebody else's pattern or anything like that. It was literally people directing us to what would God say for you to do right now? Like, what do you hear from him? Well, thank you so much, Don and David. I mean, um, there are just so many drop the mic moments, so many gold nuggets. Jump so in the many, water in your underwear. In yeah. <laughs> so many Kairos moments. I mean, something to learn every step of your journey. And uh, it's so awesome. You know, we learn so much from the stories in the Bible, right? Um, when you think about it, uh, as you read through the Bible, it's just uh a whole lot of stories strung together from fallible men with an infallible, you know, God. And your story is just the same. And you've been able to just open up your lives for God to reach in and, and touch them and uh, transform them. And now you're a testimony and a story and a, an example to all of us. And we're so thankful for you, for your friendship and for all that you bring to Unstoppable and for sharing your story here in the podcast. So what's your takeaway? My takeaway, I think I'm still going back to that moment where David said, you know, I start, it started, I started thinking I deserve better. I started thinking um, something else, something different. And um, that if you start thinking, your thoughts turn into, you know, um, actions, your actions turn into habits and your habits turn into a lifestyle. And you, they, were, they were just about to drift off course. And what, what happened almost became a habit, right? Almost became a different lifestyle, almost became separate, separate people going in their separate ways, but it didn't. And uh, they were able to you know, open up and share and uh, find God in it and hear God in it and able to come back to each other and build something even stronger than they had before. Yeah. My takeaway really is a choice. You made the decision, we're going to stick together. It's not going to be divorced. You even mentioned before, I didn't choose to go that path. Yeah. You made a choice. We want to be, um, we want to be open. Um, it took, it made, was a decision for you, David, to say, and I'm going to go all in. I'm just going to let it out with the risk of turning around and the, and the no audience anymore. <laughs> Um, and even a choice of um, placing your story out there to be an encouragement to others. So only because on. things happen to my life, only because I made wrong decision, it doesn't mean that, that there's no, not more ready for me, that God has prepared for me. And the decision that you made, the choices you make, and you still are able to make, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter the experience you have. We get to make the choices right now. Um, do I want to talk openly with my spouse? Do I want to have, um, I'm going to look for a person where I can open up. I'm going to be part of a group. I'm going to be part of the church. I'm going to have a, a relationship with Jesus because he's the main guy who paid for our stuff yeah. and gave us the first forgiveness. 
that's why we are even able to forgive each other. And so the example that you are to me with making good choices and good decisions, it's very, very um, encouraging and inspiring to me. Awesome. I just want to say one more thing, and that is that David and I feel strongly that people think never think that we're at the end of our journey, like that we have that we have finished. Like every day, it again, like you said, Rebecca, every day is a choice to continue on this path of healing and and sharing and learning and growing together and in our family too. We don't we know that we'll never be there, but we're gonna, you know, keep keep on the journey for that, that we don't believe that we're finished. Mm-hmm. That's cool. awesome. And we love being part of your journey too. All right. Amen. Um, so we are way over time. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you may just have to cut some of it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Not a single moment or minute. No the chance. Under, the underwear part stays. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do a speed prayer at the end? Yeah. Just pray for everybody listening in. Father, thank you so much for Don and David, but it also for all the listeners, the message that we heard, the testimony that we heard is yeah. really their mess became their message, which means became yeah. your mess. It's hope, Father. It's healing. It's new love. It's new strength and new power to face the afterwards, Father. You are you never came and said, I'm done. You, you, you loser, yeah. nothing is going to happen anymore. You came to restore, you came yeah. to heal, you came to bring new hope and you came to open the door and the callous embraced it. They yeah. walked through the new door and all the other couples, we can always walk through the door of every day is a new choice. Every day we decide with you, Father, we can overcome with you all things yes, are possible. Jesus. So thank you for healing. Thank you for provision, but also thank you for new doors and great conversation where openness and truth can come under, uh, can come out under the rock, Father, and the rock will not hide anything anymore. Amen. Amen. All right. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Unstoppable Duo Show. We pray that you were encouraged and were able to take away an idea of how your marriage can become a little more unstoppable this week. Are you looking for more? Twice a year, Rebecca and Tim coach a small number of couples through their 90-day Unstoppable Breakthrough Experience. Why not join them and create the marriage you always believed was possible? Go to theunstoppableduo.com and register today. We look forward to seeing you next week right here on the Unstoppable Duo Show.